she always uses during presets. Oh, that's <laughs> great. I did not, uh, yeah, I saw the S. So. Which, um, I bet it was for saved. You know it does not have calcium in it. Yes, that's right. Which, for those of you who speak English, that means hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Um, yes, yeah. so, but speaking of, Tiffany always uses that mug when we have our precept classes, um, which are starting this week, so if you're a woman who is interested in a precept class, stay tuned and look on our website, hopefully we'll be having some ways that if you are not currently plugged into one, could get plugged in, so um, I don't have that information to give you right at this moment, um, but this week everyone's just kind of getting their books, so, um, and um, yes, there's homework involved, so that kind of turns people away, but Everyone that gets involved with that ministry and those discipleship groups love it and come away learning so much about God's Word. So that mug just reminded me of that. So Yeah, um, and if you're a dude, we have hardened men that uh, has been kicked off now. We uh, The goal is to get guys in discipleship groups, and we've got several discipleships going right now, but we're kind of relaunching them September, October. So if you're not in a group, I encourage you to go to hardenedbaptist.org, and you can click on the Men tab in Ministries, and uh, you can actually join our Facebook group. You can join our Mind Text, and uh, you can get all the information. You actually sign up for a group right there, put in your information, and uh, we're going to go through uh, Philippians together, a real slow pace. I'm talking like two to three verses a day. Just read, write a little something about it, and then gather together the group of guys over bacon and eggs and talk about Scripture. So it's going to be fun. So get that signed up for awesome. that. Yeah, I wish I could give you the information on where to go to sign up for a woman's group this evening, but I don't have that. But stay tuned to all of Harden's socials and things like that. So we should be getting that information out to you very, very soon. Um, okay, so the past two Sundays, Brother Ricky has preached, and he has brought us um, some really good messages about marriage. Um, so this is like, what, the third or fourth Sunday we've done marriage? Fourth, because you started, then you, and then, yes, that's right. So we've been talking about marriage for a while. Um, and I'm just curious, what's after this? Next week is not marriage. It so, isn't. Okay, no. <laughs> what's next? So we were going to uh, go to the natural, like, okay, parent, kid, was kind of going to be next. And, um, you know, we got to talk and we realized that our college folks have been here for, like, the last four Sundays. And it's been, like, <laughs> husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife, husband, wife. And then it's like, oh, hey, parents, kids. Um, so <laughs> kind of doing them a favor, for one. Uh, but also just, you know, sometimes we run through the marriage series and we forget um, to really address friendship. And what does biblical friendship look like? Is it necessary? Is it needed? And what I think we're going to see is that we're actually a very isolated and lonely culture. And we see that even through things like social media, that we're all connected, but really, um, in, in reality, we're very lonely. And we're going to see a lot of statistics about that, a lot of alarming facts about that. But the Bible says a lot about the need for godly friendship and what it means for us to be siblings, brothers and sisters um, in the faith. So we're going to talk about that this Sunday. Uh, what does biblical friendship look like? how to be a good friend, how to look for good friends, how to cultivate friendship, those kind of things. And then next week, uh, we're going to do something kind of fun. So we're going to do a two-part sermon series. It's going to happen at the same time. So okay. in here, I'm already confused. we're going to preach to the parents about parenting. And in the farm, we're going to preach to the kids about how to be kids. Oh. 
So we're going to kind of do that both ways, and we're going to live stream both those out. One will live stream to First Fruits Farm Facebook page, one will live stream to our Facebook page. So if you're a kid, you'll learn about how to obey your parents. If you're a parent, you'll learn how to get your kids to obey. So it'll be good. So um, what if you're a college student? I mean, they're still a kid, but yeah. yet they're probably thinking they'll have kids one day. That's Where right. do those kids go? Yeah. And so they'll be in here with us. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's not, yeah, it's just for parents. It's like, We'll talk to the kids, okay. all the adults, all the like teenagers, high school students. We'll talk more about like parenting in here. Gotcha. And uh, but one of the things is just the theology of parenthood and um, and childhood has everything to do with the gospel because God is our Father, we are His kids. So you even see like if you're a college kid, if you're a teenager, uh, whatever, like no, you're a child of God. Like that's a big deal. And God is your Father. And here's what that looks like, um, sort of in the nitty gritty of real relationships. Okay. Awesome. Sounds great. So the sermon Sunday is going to be a new twist to family. It really is. It's going to be cool. Okay. Who's who's doing that one? I'm up. Okay. Yeah. When you say that, it might be yeah. you. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I'm ready. Brother Ricky would have never thought of that angle. So okay. Praise the Lord for Brother Corey and us going in that direction. So we'll see if it works. <laughs> It'll be really cool. If it doesn't, it's all on him. Can yeah, I you know, no that? big deal. No pressure. Yeah. Well, um, it'd be awesome if you guys would send in some questions. We're kind of stalling. Oh, um, no. Do we have no questions? Not that I know of unless... Michael Travis, where are you at, buddy? We need a yeah. question have from you. Have we been you. answering all of these? Scott yes. Vaughn, where are you at, brother? We need a question. It means, must mean y'all are preaching really uh -oh, good sermons because uh -oh. people... I mean, you've covered it all. <laughs> yeah. um, no, um, but if you have questions, send them in. You can always text 270-978-6532 um, if you want to be anonymous. Um I'll put that in the comments right now. And, um, but I am going to have both of, well, I mean, you. we've got our own questions, right? We do. For him. Not, yeah. To try to stuff. Always <laughs> got, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've always got questions like from certain oh, yeah, we like things. That. That. But I would like you, so there were two sermons. The first was uh, spirit-filled marriage, and then yep. the second was grace-filled marriage. So um, if you could really quick give a synopsis of spiritual message in case people have maybe lost some of right. that message you're like what right. did he even preach about um so give a short synopsis of that one and then a synopsis of okay as short as you can be as like short I'm as i can be light. i got you short. two minutes okay, okay. spirit-filled marriage basically touched on the fact that we as christians should be under the control of god's holy spirit and if we're under the control of god's holy spirit there's going to be a mutual submissiveness among us as Christians to where we're not going to believe we are better than somebody else or someone's less than us. But to share the true spirit-filled life, Paul applies it to the home. And in that home environment, he talks about how the wife is to submit to the husband and how the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church because God has ordained the husband to be the head in this new relationship of marriage and the wife is the body. They literally become one flesh. And in that one flesh relationship, the husband is the head. Therefore, he leads, gives leadership physically, spiritually, and psychologically. And the wife is the body in that relationship. And therefore, she responds to his leadership physically, spiritually, and psychologically. And together, as they love and respect each other, then their relationship mirrors that of Christ in the church. That was the first one. Got it. Now, a grace-filled marriage uh, last week talked primarily about how Jesus talked about the reason marriages uh, fall apart and divorce is because of the hardness of a person's heart. 
And so we want to build marriages that are filled with grace, God's enabling power. And so I believe that God has given us uh, three characteristics that are to define what a grace-filled marriage looks like. And that is there are to be forgiveness, there are to be confession of sin, and there are to be repentance of sin. So what we tried to do in that grace-filled marriage, of course, we want our marriages to be built around the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So we talked about how that we need to learn in a grace-filled marriage how to apply the death of Christ and the life of Christ to our marriages. And, of course, God brought forgiveness to all of us uh, through the death of Jesus Christ. On the cross, God died for the sin of the whole world. So he didn't just die for my sin. He died for my spouse's sin. Even my spouse's sin against me, he died for those. So we weren't learned to apply the death of Christ and therefore be able to forgive, to release, to let go of the harm that's been done to us in marriage by our spouses. And we also want to learn to apply the life of Christ, God's enabling power. Jesus Christ didn't just die for sin. He died to sin, and he got up after death. And therefore, as a Christian, we also are a new person in Christ so that we who have been forgiven of sin now can learn to apply the life of Christ and we can actually be honest, be conscious, confess our sins, receive cleansing, but also repent of that sin so that we don't continue to do those things that harm our spouse in the marriage. And that's what I call a grace-filled marriage to where we enable each other to be who God's called us to be because of the death, born, and resurrection of Christ. Awesome. You did good. You All right. Did. I think both the sermons went together really well. So, um, so I don't have any questions, but I have a question. So if, if a couple's watching and especially the sermon on like forgiveness and like what what would you advise a couple when is the point that you should seek out a third party for counseling? Um, I feel like there's like our generation is a little more like counsel heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your generation maybe less so. Yes. Um, but I feel like there could be a happy medium in there. And what would you say for um, a couple that is struggling, when is it something that you can work through between each other, and when do you need to seek out a pastor or a professional counselor? Okay. Uh, my, my opinion on this, uh, it's just like at home, you know, there's some basic plumbing things that I can do, but when I can't fix the plumbing, then I call the plumber. I, I think there's going to be some natural problems that are going to come up in our home, there's going to be some things we've got to learn to adjust to the other person in marriage. And normally, uh, when we can deal with them ourselves and continue to grow and still be intimate together, and those things that we're doing, uh, we're forgiving, we're confessing, we're repenting of. But normally, when the conflict comes in, normally when the counseling comes in, Katie, I believe, is when one of us do not believe what we're doing is actually wrong. And the person may be overreacting. And here's where we need a a pastor, we need a counselor who can objectively listen to both and help them see what they're doing to each other and how it's hurting their marriage. Mm -hmm. So as long as what we're doing is not 
uh, hurting us or setting us back, but we're dealing with it. We're growing from it. We're getting to know each other more because I actually believe there needs to be some discussions in the marriage. There needs to be some differences in the marriage that actually cause us to be more intimate. But when those problems, when those uh, things that the other person is doing is causing us to separate from them, pull away from them, and we can't solve that, then that's when we need to come to the pastor. That's when we need to come to a counselor, in my opinion. And there's nothing wrong with calling the pastor. Hey, listen, I take my car, I take my truck, I take my, my tractors. When I can't handle it, I call for the expert. So there's not a thing wrong. Guys, listen to me. Uh, there's nothing wrong with coming and seeing Brother Ricky. There's nothing wrong with coming and seeing Corey or coming and seeing Joey or Joetta here at our church. That's a good word because I feel like sometimes <clears throat> it does have a bad. I feel like it's gotten better in recent years, like that idea mm-hmm. of like, even like with a program like Grace Marriage, like, and we, we make it pretty clear up front, it's not a counseling program per se, but at the same time, it's couples working on their marriages. Yeah. And I, I feel like, um, you know, the stigma around the yeah. idea of counseling, of seeking help, yeah. has, is, mm-hmm. has gotten not, not quite as bad as, yeah. as it used, yeah. used to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think usually most of the time, you know, anytime I've, I've counseled, it's usually like both people aren't coming with the same excitement. <laughs> Usually it's like yeah. one is there wanting counseling and the other is there not wanting counseling. It's kind mm-hmm. of usually how it comes to play. And so I just want to encourage, if you're the one that's on the side of you don't want counseling, you don't think there's a problem, um, man, if your spouse is wanting to go to couples counseling or if they're wanting to go, you know, see the pastor or, you know, whatever that looks like, um, they're fighting for you. Like they're, that's a, that's an act of love. They're not trying to, you know, hopefully like just show that they're right and you're wrong. Um, so I think sometimes it's, we get defensive. Well, I'm not going there. And, but there's, there's some things that, that in counseling odds are like not, it's going to be hundred percent one of you and zero percent the other. There's going to be things for both of you to work on, to get right. Um, and I think if you catch things early when they start, then it's a lot easier to resolve versus, man, like you're already decided we're getting a divorce. This is done. We'll just do a one, you know, a last ditch effort to go see the pastor. But you've already made up your mind. Like that's like the worst part to me. Um, try to catch it a little earlier when you just can't work through something. Like you keep going to bed angry. You keep having the same thing. You just can't get past that that hurdle um, man, go talk to somebody because usually when somebody objectively looks at it, like you said, there's some obvious things that, oh, well, you're doing this and you're doing this and y'all need to stop doing that. And it's like, okay, I've been stubborn. I need to have grace more. And so usually it's not rocket science. Usually it's pretty um, easy sometimes to untangle uh, some of those things. It just takes somebody who knows what to look for, knows the questions to ask, knows the scripture um, to reference, and uh, they can get you through that. And, and I think a lot of times people fear coming to counseling because they fear like fear that they're going to be the one that's wrong and their spouse is the one that's right. And hardly ever in a marital counseling situation is it one-sided. Yeah. It's normally problems on both sides. But, Corey, you said a great thing a while ago, and here's what I've seen as long as I've been pastoring. A lot of times one spouse wants to go to counseling, so they ask their spouse if they'll go and the person won't go. And so then that person gives up. And when that person gives up, then the other one realizes, whoa, I now want to go to counseling. And now the person who first wanted to go to counseling wouldn't go to counseling. 
and they don't get counseling. And that's one of the biggest detriments to marriage. And it's one thing that leads to a lot of divorce, even in the church, is that hardly ever does both people want to go to counseling at the same time. But please hear what Corey said. If your spouse is asking you to go to counseling, man, I would go see the pastor, go see the counselor because uh, there's just probably something you're not seeing if you don't believe you need counseling, but your spouse does. And I promise you, it's only going to help your marriage. It's never going to hurt. It's never going to make it worse. Okay, we have a question. During the sermon, there were two reasons listed to divorce. And unbeliever leaving a believing spouse and sexual unfaithfulness. What does the Bible say about abuse in marriage, verbal, physical, or emotional? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Bible, to my knowledge, only addresses a biblical reason for divorce being uh, a, a sexual sin outside the marriage and the unbeliever leaving the believer, then the believer's free, according to 1 Corinthians. But I personally... Uh, I do not know and do not believe the Bible addresses abuse as a biblical reason for divorce. Now, let me say this. If a person is being physically abused and you believe your life is in danger, you need to step outside of that marriage. You need to get out of that situation, not immediately divorce, but you need to let someone know because God would not want a spouse staying in a situation where their life is physically in danger. However, the Bible doesn't address that as a biblical reason for divorce, therefore being free to remarriage. When we say having a biblical reason for divorce, I'm talking about the Bible would teach that if there is uh, sexual immorality, if there's been an affair in a marriage relationship, then the one who got sinned against is free to remarry if there is a divorce because of that sexual sin. If an unbeliever leaves a believer and the unbeliever is leaving the believer, then that believer is free to remarry. Uh, other than that, people will still remarry, of course, but they're just not biblically free to remarry. And I think, too, in that I have heard some scholars take, you know, the passage of if, an, if, if your spouse leaves you, that's desertion. So you basically have, you know, sexual morality and then desertion would be the two reasons. And, you know, some people would then imply that to if your spouse is abusing you, that's the same as deserting you. That they have essentially left being your husband or left being your wife. And now you've become an object. You've become someone that they're abusing. So and not like, okay, we're just going to automatically jump to a conclusion. But that could be interpreted as okay, you have a biblical reason because that person has left you as your spouse. They've left you as your husband. So I do know there's been some people um, that have taken that stance, applying um, the principle of 1 Corinthians uh, to that specific situation of they are acting as an unbeliever who has left you um, because a believer who's with you and loves you would not be treating you in a way that's going to harm you. And I'm more talking about, you know, like that's, I mean, physically abuse, that's, that's really, uh, you know, a wrong way to treat somebody. So there's another kind of interpretation that people sure. will take um, on that. Yeah. Do you have any questions? Yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got several in First Peter. So First uh, Peter 3. So I think this was a text you preached on. Yep. And uh, um, I would just love, you know, we didn't really address uh, the weaker vessel uh, terminology. 
Mm. I know in our day and age, you know, any gender difference is always seen as bad. Now everything's like gender neutral, gender fluid. You can just float in and out of gender, you know, husband, wife, all that's antiquated terminology. Um, it's binary. And now it's like, you just be whatever you want to and however you want to. And here it seems like Paul is, is really saying, okay, husbands and wives, there are some fundamental differences, which I know we would see in scripture. Um, but what do you think, Paul's trying to really communicate when he says the wife is the weaker vessel, and then how can a husband really live in an understanding way and showing honor um, because of that? Okay. Uh, I personally believe that uh, when, when we address this, when Paul is talking about for us to live with a wife in an understanding way, uh, he's basically telling us what all of us husbands know, and that is that our wife is not like us. We are different. So therefore, Paul wants us, or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter wants us to live with our wife with knowledge. He wants us to get to know her. And in getting to know her, uh, Peter says that the wife is actually the weaker vessel. Now, I think most of us uh, would agree uh, there are some rare instances that generally the man physically is stronger uh, uh, than the wife, but but throughout much of culture, and especially the culture of this day, there was just some advantages that men had that women did not have, and that put the man in a stronger position that, than what the wife was. Now, uh, I, I don't think weak here in any way means inferior, but God just designed the man with some qualities that are different than he designed the female with. And I like to look at it this way, uh, and it is this, that the word husband literally means house band. And, and I can remember going over to the sawmill, getting some lumber a few years ago to build the grandkids uh, a, a tree house. And, and they had this big pile of lumber, and they had it banded together, and that lumber stayed together. But I didn't need the whole pile of lumber, so they cut that band. And when they cut that band, that lumber just went everywhere. So there's a sense in we, which we husbands have been designed to be the provider. We've been the protector. We are the strong one in the home, so to speak. Our wife... We're supposed to show her honor as the weaker vessel. I like to refer to Salisa uh, as fine china. You know, there's a sense in which the china in our home that we hardly ever use, uh, it may be weaker in the sense that if we drop it on the floor, uh, yes, it, it it's going to break possibly. For if we drop a, a, a plastic uh, plate or a, a paper plate on the floor, no, it's going to be fine. Salisa is the weaker vessel in the sense that she's weaker, but she's more valuable in the sense she is fine china, so to speak. I'm the house band, but she's the fine china. So therefore, as a husband, I'm going to honor her because there's just some traits that she brings into my life that gives me the view that God has, and I need her view for me to really understand and have a God view so that together we can image God. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, no, I think that I think that's good. I just know that term can obviously, you know, especially in the culture that we live oh, in, yeah. it's like, oh yeah. man, you know, and I think uh, I, we were listening to, I think you're actually with me, we're at Southern Seminary, mm -hmm. listening to um, a lecture on marriage or like a marriage conference, and um, I remember the speaker, kind of that same thing, just, you know, I mean, the reality, usually the husband, you know, has more strength, and the, the what Paul, or what Peter's really saying is, hey, your strength is supposed to protect and be that band and be that, you know, you're fighting for your spouse. And 
man, like Peter really goes after the husbands. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, don't ever use that yeah. gift that God's given you, which is masculinity, that, that protective nature. Don't ever use that to get your way. Don't ever use that to intimidate. Don't ever use that to be abusive in any way. That it's, man, you are honoring, you're protecting, um, you are, you know, going to war for your spouse. Think it's, and then it's like, hey, if you do, um, then, man, God's not going to hear your prayers uh, is what, you know, Peter is saying. Yeah. So I think it's that, you know, and really kind of nurturing that even as Christians, because, man, as a culture, like, we are losing that altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, just the idea of, hey, there's a difference between boys and girls, and even in just common play and different things, there there's some things that you know, we need to teach our sons. We need to teach our little girls, you know. Um, one thing that we say to our kids a lot, not a lot, but uh, we'll like, you know, jokingly, we got three boys and a little girl. But, um, you know, one of the things that we've said in the past, I haven't said a lot recently. We kind of need to maybe uh, orchestrate this back in our house. But, you know, my, my boys know men die first. Like, that's a rule in our house. Like, if somebody comes in, dad's going to die, then you three boys die, and then, like, mom and Evie, if they can get to them. Because... Man, we're going to jump at the door. We got our pocket knives. Like, we're, there's that instinctive, we're going, to be the, we're going to be the band. We're going to be the protectors. And I think just cultivating that, that women are to be honored and cherished and valued. And I think we see such a culture that is, um, man, we, um, we're like predators um, a lot of times. And that should not be at all in the church of Jesus Christ. So I think just cultivating that, um, that difference, even our little boys and little girls, um, that we see how it flourishes even in marriage so and and i think your commentary here Corey, uh, goes back to that question that was asked this is why verbal abuse Mm -hmm. and physical abuse is so damaging in the husband relationship because it really crushes the wife when a husband verbally abuses or physically abuses her because that's not how god designed us men to act uh He wants us to value our wife and understand she's our helper and understand that she's different from us. And she's different by design. She's not different because she's inferior to us. She's not different because we're superior. No, we need her uh, to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish and for us to be who God wants us to be as men in this husband-wife relationship. And that's why this word knowledge that Peter uses for us to uh, live with her in a knowledgeable and understanding way. And to me, it's it's kind of like a man in this area, especially where Kentucky, who loves to hunt deer. You know, we talk about that trophy deer, D-E-E-R. And a man literally changes all of his habits as a man to be in the woods. He so has studied the nature of a deer that he wants to get that trophy deer. And so he studies that deer. He knows everything that he needs to do because he understands the nature of that deer. Well, we are to want a trophy, D-E-A-R. And therefore, we should get to know. We should study our wife. We should get to know who she is and then learn how to live with her because God made her different by design. And we should honor her in that role. Man, so as we kind of think about like wrapping up our marriage series, I'm just thinking... You know, you, you have a lot of guys who ride the combine with you. Mm-hmm. They'll ride, you know, getting a tractor with you. And I'm trashy, all sorts of questions. Um, I'm just curious, and it's kind of out of the blue, so I haven't prepped him for this. But, you know, if, so if I'm riding the combine with you and I'm newly married, it's like three months in, and I'm looking at you, you've been married, what, 40? 40, 40 years, years yeah. right? 
Um, so seem to have a great marriage, and I'm like six months in, and I'm just, man, Brother Ricky, tell me, tell me some of the secrets. Like, what did you do right as a husband to have such a great marriage? Yeah. What would yeah. what would be some nuggets you would throw to me yeah. as a as yeah. as a young man who just got married? Got you. Uh, wow, I really believe personally in my own marriage, and just what I've seen in other people who have great great marriages. And that's this, that I think the key, and here's what I'd tell you if you ask me that question in the combine as a, as a man, I would say you need to be unselfish. I think selfishness is what kills marriages. And so if I am grace-filled and I'm spirit-filled and I'm in this loving friendship with my wife, the key to this is me being unselfish. When Jesus Christ came and walked on this planet, And we have four gospel accounts of it. And then we have many letters that refer back to Christ and Christian teachings that came from Christ. I don't think any of us can believe that Christ was ever selfish in any way. I mean, man, he wanted to please his father. He wanted to redeem his bride. And he literally left the right-hand side of the father to take on a body like us. And he lived his life for us, went to a cross and let his father place all of our sin on him. And he died so that he might redeem us unto himself. And that's my picture. My picture is every day I want to love Salisa like Christ loved me. And I strive for that. Now listen, I fall short. And when I fall short, as I talked about Sunday, I apply the life of Christ to me. I confess it. When I say confess it, I don't just confess it to God. I confess it to her. And then I try to the best of my ability to repent of that and turn away from that. So my main key would be is for you to establish a strong walk with Christ, be under the control of his spirit, life out the Christian life with your wife, love her like Christ loved his church. And, and I, I didn't mention this Sunday because I've said it so often, I tried to stay away from it, but I've told you many times that that word that the Bible uses for Christ loving his church is the Greek word agapao. I'll never forget Mike Morris was my Greek professor at Mid-Continent, and he may have just made this up, but he shared with me that the four chief characteristics of that Greek word agapao was that it selects an object to love, it then evaluates the need of the object being loved, and the reason agapao was used here is because the need arises not in the one loving, but the one being loved. So on a daily basis, I remind myself, I have chosen to love Salisa. I evaluate the needs that she has. You then elevate those needs to a place of priority in the lover's life, my life. And then I look within myself and realize that God has designed me to meet her needs. And then I am part of my resources to meet her needs. And there's just such a joy that comes when you love your wife like Christ loved his bride. Okay, so um, Abby apparently has already made it home and is watching. Wow. Hey, Abby. So first of all, she says, I'm asking for someone else. Okay. Which, hmm. that's usually code for, you're the one asking. I've got a friend, right? <laughs> so my friend I believe says, you, Abby. I believe it's for somebody else, Abby. How would you recommend keeping our, our loving friendships robust and fresh after 45 to 50 years of marriage? Wow, wow. And hey, I got that question also, just, okay. just on my 
my cell phone too. No, I'm not, I'm not supposed to uh -oh. look at it. I, I know you were uh -oh. supposed to take that <laughs> note right. away from me. I think you've gotten used to the Q and I now. I'll let you yeah, have yeah, it. Yeah. You haven't seemed to be distracted yeah, by uh, it. I got you, got you. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know about the 45 and 50 because I'm not there yet. But Celise and I talk often about the season of life that we're in. And our season of life now is so much different than it has been ever. And so I think the key to keeping it fresh and robust is daily, weekly, monthly evaluating where you're at in your relationship with your spouse, still setting goals of how you want to grow more and more in intimacy, plan those things that you want to do. Because if you're not careful after years and years of marriage, you just get complacent. And I see a lot of guys doing their things and a lot of ladies doing their things. And the next thing you know, the guy's got his friends and the girls have got their friends and they kind of grow apart or, or we start doing more things with the kids we start doing more things with the grandparents or the grandkids no 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 I mean we still got to have those other relationships but I think you've got to keep the relationship with your spouse first it's got to be the priority and so there's just got to be some daily checks there's got to be some weekly checks there's got to be some monthly things to where you sit down and say hey here's where we're at here's where we want to be and you still plan together to accomplish all those things that God wants you to accomplish. And you just stay young. And, and you just grow more and more in love with each other. Uh, Salise and I, this just happened. You guys know this. We've been camping uh, for 20 days at Hillman Ferry Campground. And we spent the first week with the grandkids. And y'all were so gracious to let us take them. We appreciate that so much. And then this last weekend, we spent a lot of time with you guys. We actually had this conversation this morning. Guess what we're going to do the next time we camp with all of y'all? We thought. You know what? Instead of us uh, breaking the camp down and going home, wouldn't it have been neat today if we could have stayed all day mm -hmm. and just had all day by ourselves? Mm -hmm. We can do that after 40 years of marriage. Yeah. And so the next time we go camping, we're going to do that. We're going to take a day just for ourselves. Now, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, we wouldn't have had that thought. But we realize now as we're aging and we're spending energy with the grandkids and the kids and, and me preaching Sunday that, hey, we're still going to take a day at the campground. And we want it to be at the end because everybody's gone. I mean, the campground was empty today. Yeah. And we could have just had a great day. So I think that you just continue to share a fresh zeal, uh, a fresh vision. You continue to share with your spouse because I tell Lisa all the time, she's my favorite person in the whole wide world. She is truly my best friend. And if I have to choose one person that I'm going to spend my day with, I want it to be her. But I, w I don't want it to be just about me. It's got to be about her too. So I think you talk about that. And, and as we age, we still have to want to do things together, but we've got to plan, and we've got to take checks, and, and that's what we do. And again, we're going to have a new thing that we're going to add next time we go camping just because of this morning, us looking around and going, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could have spent all that day at Hillman Ferry Campground just by ourselves? That's good. I like that. That's pretty good. So what do you think about... Uh, 15-year people. I was so going to ask you. We have like, you know, we have um, 40 years thinking about, you know, there might be some of you that are 8 years, 10 years. We are doing our 15th anniversary this November. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could ask the question, uh, reframe it a little bit for those who would be 
Well, I was going to turn the question around, too, that you asked your dad about what would you tell a six-month-in married guy. Because, I mean, you've got some years under, under you of being married, too. Yeah. So yeah. what would you tell that guy? Yeah. It's going to be my question or your question? Yours. Any years? Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, what Dad said was so true. I think, you know, being unselfish. I think, you know... I think pursuing, and, you know, we talked about it in the Song of Solomon. I think that's what he did so good. Uh, he pursued her constantly, and I think um, that's what I would tell uh, any guy. You know, usually we do that really good when we're dating. We love to pursue, talk all the time, and then it's like we get married, and there's this, like, switch. And um, I think we can easily get to, like, well— you know, if she'll do this, then I'll do this. And if she doesn't do that, then I'm going to stop doing that. And we get this sort of like works-based marriage um, where it's, you know, if, if I'm satisfied, then I'll be a good husband. But if I'm not, then I'm just going to go off on my own. Um, I think it's, man, forgetting that, just pursuing uh, your wife, really making her um, just, you know, in, in Ephesians 5, this is what I tell a lot of guys that first get married. You know, if there's one word you can just hold on to, it's that word cherish. Um, and so Paul tells us to cherish your wives like you cherish your own body. And so it's the idea of what does it look like to cherish my wife? Man, that's a word that you know if you're cherishing something. Like it is priority it is the thing that catches your attention. It's a thing that your world kind of spins around. And so I think, you know, for any, you know, young guy who's just married or been married for a little bit, am I cherishing my wife? Do my friends know that I cherish my wife? When she comes around, do I speak to her different? Do I light up? Um, and, and I think, you know, one, um, I heard one, you know, pastor say that your wife should be your standard of beauty. And I think that was, you know, it's kind of an easy concept, but if you would make your new spouse your standard of beauty, meaning that all other girls measured against her and all other girls fall way short because she's the standard. And I think just program yourself, and this is my standard of beauty. This is the one I love. This is my chosen one. Um, then, man, you, <laughs> you begin to see like every other girl is just not great. Your wife is great. And so I think just cultivating that, your eyes only for her and pursuing her and loving her um, and just really trying to find ways to serve your wife because, you know, you mentioned the seasons and there's so many different seasons. Like you have like newlyweds and it's all, you know, you don't want to spend too much time on your hobbies or your stuff. You want to invest and do things together. Then you get kids and it's like newborns, newborns no, no <laughs> sleep. And it's just, and man, there's moments where it's like, okay, it's 3 a.m. I'm going to take the baby because mm -hmm. I, you need to sleep. And so I think just really being a servant, really serving um, well. And then. I think one of the huge things is to really fight for time together. And I think that's one thing that we've done pretty well. Um, and we've got great grandparents that take our kids a lot. And I think use those. Uh, have but, If you don't have grandparents, friends. Yeah, I was going to say, we have some friends who don't have any grandparents around. I'm thinking of Allie and Ron Beard. I don't know if they're watching. But I think Ellie Futrell comes and keeps their kids for them to go on a date night once a week. It's amazing. Like, it's a standing Huge thing. investment. Yeah. Like, and so I think even if you can't, don't say, well, our, our parents don't live close. We can't make it happen. Like there are people that would love to help Absolutely. with your children and it blesses them too. And yeah. so, um, don't, don't let that be your crutch or your, your excuse. Don't look yeah. at us and say, well, Rick and Salisa live across the street. Yes, that's true. We're super blessed in that. But just be, if you don't have that, you can still make it happen.
Yeah. But I think that, just like you're saying, that time together where it's like, man, you are, you're dating each other, you're spending time together. And a lot of even our, our season now with four kids, it's, you know, we don't always go on a date every week. But, man, when the kids get in bed, That's like 830, time. this is our time. It's like me and you, we're not, like, checking Facebook. We're not on email. We're not trying. It's like this is our time. Mm-hmm. We hang out. We might watch a show. We're laying in bed reading together. I mean, mm-hmm. we're doing something together. Uh, during that nighttime, because that's just our time where we get to connect. Um, so I think that's really important. But I'm also a huge fan of like going on little getaways together. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can go on an overnight, mm-hmm. and I know I hear some people like, we've, our kids are eight and we've never left them. It's like, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, they will survive. Leave them somewhere, <laughs> pay somebody to keep them, go away <laughs> and just, you know, go and get a room somewhere and just enjoy some time away uh, with your spouse. I think that's, you know, I would try to do that like kind of once every um, kind of semester. So like kind of that, you know, four times a year, kind of the seasons, try to pick, okay, we're going to go one night away uh, during this season. We're going to go one night away during this season. And you kind of look forward to that. And it's amazing those moments, how close you get with your spouse. And you just, you forget that, oh yeah, we once just loved to be together. And now we're being together again. And so I think cultivate those things Time together is a huge thing, um, so I would definitely say that. And, and, and what y'all are talking about is actually the best thing you can do for your kids. Yeah. Your kids do not need to become the priority of the marriage. If you do, you are setting your kids up for failure, and they are not going to learn what they need to learn from you at home. So please, trust me, uh, look at Corey and Katie, and I'm not taking credit for this because, man, Katie parents have a great marriage as well but they have a great marriage because I think you would say your mom and dad prioritized their marriage and Salisa and I have prioritized our marriage and it's just what God has ordained and then what it uh, fosters is healthy children who now uh, leave us and begin life together and they know how to be husband and wife because of example they've seen in the parents. So the worst thing you can do for your kids is to make your kids the priority of your marriage. And if I can tell this, uh, uh, Corey knows this to be true. Corey loved to race motorcycles when he was young. Kiki loved to play ball when she was young. And man, I coached all the ball teams that Kiki played on and we gave you some instruction racing. Salisa traveled with him all over the country. But the kids will tell you, we still had our own priority. We still had our hobbies. We still had the cattle. Y'all didn't like the cows at all. (laughs) But we never gave up those things to let our kids become the priority of life. And therefore, when they began their life outside of ours, Salisa and I still knew each other. We still loved each other. And we're growing closer together even more now uh, because we didn't let kids and their activities uh, draw us apart. Never let the church and having a job and responsibilities cause us to separate uh, we we continue to grow closer and closer together during all of these times and i would say just in maybe closing you know if you're thinking oh, man i came from a bad home i didn't see this one good thing about the church is and i've seen several couples do this look for a couple that's 20 years ahead of you that look like they're happy and thriving and uh, just go spend time with them and let them kind of be the example, the mentors to you. And I think even some of those counseling things we've talked about, maybe some of those early things you could ask them, hey, we're, we're having trouble in this. What, what did y'all do? And uh, they could probably really help you out. And you see that example. And then maybe it cultivates into 
hey, can you watch the kids a little bit? Because, you know, maybe develops that relationship. But I think just because you didn't have the best examples, there's a ton of examples in the church, which is a good place to start um, to find out, hey, I want to do this right. I think this couple, they're still holding hands and they got gray hair. I want to know what they know. And uh, I want to um, get with them and, man, have them over for dinner. And I think that'd be a really great relationship. Can I share one story, Katie? I, sure I know we're can. I know we're gonna I, I, I know we're gonna run out of time here, and and please, in no way is this a brag on on me, but uh, a few years back, uh, you know, our family loves to go to Disney World, and and Slisa would always try to get us to get to go to the castle so that everybody could eat with the princesses. And several years back for one of our anniversaries, I decided I wanted to take her to Disney World, just me and her, without the kids, and enjoy Disney World so that I could take her to the castle and let her know that she was my princess, kind of what Corey was talking about. And so Casey helped me down here in the office, and we called Disney World because every time I'd see Slisa try to get a reservation there for the castle for all of us as a family, uh, we'd have one too many, and I'd volunteer and say, no, take it. I don't have to be there, but she never would do it. And so finally to surprise her, I planned about three nights for us to be at Disney, but the whole thing was for us to have dinner in the castle with the princess on her anniversary. I didn't tell her about it. I just told her I was planning the trip. And so I planned the trip. Casey helped me with a lot of the details. And so get this picture. Selisa and I on our anniversary without her kids, without her grandkids, we go to Disney World. We have three days our best. If we eat in the castle, we're with the princesses. The, the, the anniversary's over. We're coming back home. We flew back into Nashville. And when we landed in Nashville, I'll never forget this. I turned to her, and I just couldn't wait. I said, what was the best moment of our anniversary? What made this great? And without even thinking, she said, you left your phone at home. Mm -hmm. Did you guys hear that? I left my phone at home. Guys, this is what Peter is saying when he says, live with your wife in an understanding way. See, see, I would have thought, wow, it was dinner with me and the princesses. I would have thought, no. It was something as simple as me for three days leaving the phone at home. And if y'all remember, I had told you I'm leaving my phone at home. Call Mimish if anything comes up because I'm not going to have my phone. And that's the thing that meant the most to her. And I will never, I never realized how I honored her in that because she's different from me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and so, so guys, listen, get to know your wife. Now, this isn't something I done 30 years ago, something I did just a few years ago. And I'm telling you, it gets better and better and better. I joke often. I hate it that Selisa and I waited till we was 19 and 17 to get married. I wish I'd been 17 and she'd been 15 <laughs> because we'd have two more years together as husband and wife. But I'm telling you, done right, marriage is just absolutely amazing. Amen. All right, we'll end on that note. Thank you guys so much for those of you who watched and who will watch later. Um, so, um, hey, guys, what? and this is also now available on podcast. Oh, that's Whoa. right. So if you have that's a friend, right. if you have a family member, tomorrow morning, this should drop on podcast. Uh, so on Apple Podcast and Spotify, uh, you can go to all the past episodes. There's like 10 of them, the Q&A. So if you're like someone like me and... 
when you do laundry, you like to listen to something, that's, this would be perfect for you because I wouldn't want to pull up something and watch it. But while yeah. I'm doing something, I like to, to listen to things. So this yeah. would be the perfect doing laundry thing, driving somewhere. Drive, to jog. To, yeah. Mowing your yard. Um, what are some other things you could do? Like yeah, if you're going on a bike ready. ride. Yeah, bike all ride, sorts of things. All the things. So, yes, it's very exciting. Another way to listen to our Q&As. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Bye. Bye.